0: Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? My name is Zachary Rainey. I was born in 1959. That's how old I am. And, uh, which means 1976, the 200th, you know, the bicentennial. I was a junior in high school. Some of you aren't old enough to know what that means, to be a junior in high school in 1976. It was a party. <laughs> That's what it was. Seriously, it really was. <clears throat> but how great to be chosen to share a message with you on Independence Day, because I was born in the United States. Isn't that awesome? I, I've lived here, actually. So this is a great place for me to share a message on Independence Day, on, on freedom, Jesus and freedom. Um. I am, I'm married. My wife, Lizzie's probably in the balcony. Hi, Liz. I'm not wearing a mask. Okay? So that means we have to stay in separate rooms when we get home. You know that. And we have four adult children, four uh, grandchildren. Did Petra get to make it to church today? All right. Petra's over in children's ministries right now. How many of you have served in children's ministries. I've been doing it since I moved here when I was 41 years old. <laughs> That's why you don't know me. Because I'm, I'm not over here. I'm over there on Sunday mornings teaching a Bible class to elementary kids. If you're not involved in children's ministries, do it. We need wonderful people like you in children's ministries. So I just wanted to add that in since Jim could plug Food Pantry. I, I can plug children's ministry for our, for our wonderful children's pastor, Mark Whitehead, who's upstairs today covering everything. So uh, what, what else do you need to know about me? I, uh, I think you probably should know that I'm an ordained minister, but I'm also an endorsed hospice chaplain. I went back to full-time hospice chaplaincy January 2019, and uh, that's what I do uh, through the week. As I am a hospice chaplain, so I hope I don't see you. <laughs> it's true. So, I'm with, I'm with kids, and I'm with old people. And uh, I love being that way. Uh, a 10-year-old, it might have been my 10-year-old granddaughter, I'm not going to tell you for sure, said, Grandpa, I can drive a car. <laughs> they just won't let me. I think she says these things just to start an argument with me. So, like I said, it might have been my granddaughter. And she thought that her problem was freedom. That's the only problem she had with driving a car at 10 years old. Ownership was not a problem. She'll just borrow yours. (laughs) I'm serious. We were having a very serious discussion that they just won't let me. I could drive a car, and I wanted to tell her I could fly a helicopter too, couldn't I, Jeremy? I could. They just won't let me. Um, she thought it was freedom, not ownership. She didn't even care about the legal requirements. The legal requirements were holding her back. They were inhibiting her freedom. So what is freedom? Is it really, in fact, the liberty to do anything I want? Is it? Is freedom actually defined by pure selfishness? (laughs) Is uh, freedom, the freedom from all responsibilities and consequences? If it is, I want some of that. (laughs) Um, Then I'd be irresponsible and immature, wouldn't I? Like a 10 year old who thinks they can drive a car. And then just recently, I I visit at least three women who are 101 years old, and I get advice from one of them. I thought, how do I strike up a conversation? 101 years old. She's traveled a lot in her life. So I thought, I made a trip to Missouri to see uh, Ted and Sue Bruss and also to get interviewed on chaplaincy. And... um, so I was saying, well, let me tell you, I traveled and, she, and you traveled. What was, your, what was your most enjoyable trip? I'm trying to you know, draw her out of her nursing home mentality. You know, they, get, they get so closed down. I'm trying to draw her into conversation. What was your most enjoyable trip? Because I can't imagine at 101 years old, she's, she had traveled. You've got a chance to travel a lot, I suppose. And also, 101 years ago, you got to think what life was like. uh, They were traveling Model Ts and they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have air conditioning, Liz. What was it like? Anyway, I asked this 101 year old woman what her favorite, most enjoyable trip was. And listen carefully. You guys listen carefully. She said, All of them because you make your own happiness. Think about that. And I, I later on, I, I brought it up with her again this week. I said, you remember you told this to me? And she said, and you make your own misery too. <laughs> None of the struggles and hardships of her life kept her from enjoying her trip. None of the kids screaming or lack of money or flat tires. Every trip was great to her. She's, she lays there in her bed in the nursing room says, life is good. She actually says this. I get inspired by people like that. I could go on and on about her, but look at these two ideas of freedom. One, they just won't let me drive a car. I need more freedom. And this woman who is free to live in freedom. You can't keep her down, you know? To me, this is where we need to be with freedom. Uh, Today, I believe that we can experience genuine freedom, true spiritual freedom wherever we are, wherever we are. The struggles and hardships of life cannot prevent true freedom because we can experience spiritual freedom through the working of the Holy Spirit in us. The Apostle Paul wrote a book, I think, that's dedicated to spiritual freedom. We're going to look at that in a minute, but the best place, I think, to start a sermon on Jesus and freedom would be the words of Jesus. So let's take a look. If you would, open your Bible, turn on your Bible, and open it up. Find a Bible. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. John 8. Verse 31. I'm reading from the Lexham English Bible just because I can. John 8:31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, "If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. you will know the truth." And the truth will set you free. They replied to him... We are descendants of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone at any time. How do you say you will become free? Jesus replied to them, truly, truly, I say to you that everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin, and the slave does not remain in the household forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be truly free. The Bible is not just an archaic book that has lost all relevance over centuries. The Bible is a supernatural word from God that has a very specific message to this generation and every generation. It's alive. It has something to say to our culture. The Bible reveals the will of God. The Bible transforms lives so that you can stop being a slave to sin, but not if you neglect it. We have, you and I have the freedom. I I could get Bibles and roll around in them like a dog taking a dirt bath, man. I could have that many Bibles. I probably do. And what do we do? Uh, how, you know, God, Jesus commands us just to continue in his word here. If you continue in the word, you're my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here is the scriptures that promise us spiritual freedom and it's closed and it's in a drawer. It's on a shelf. It's the app that we least use. What does it mean to continue in God's Word? what does that look like to you? Maybe uh, it's a reading program. Some of you use reading programs. You know, you check it off as you go through each one. Uh, You got a daily schedule. I enjoy turning on the audio portion of, uh, here's my Bible. I, you know, it Bluetooth in my car and I say, hey Siri, open Bible. There she is. And then I tap this little button. Chapter five. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So there it goes. Oh, yeah, by the way, I speed it up a little bit because I have attention deficit, but. (laughs) That's what it looks like to me. Uh, Journaling with your rocket book. How many of you do actually get involved in word studies? You'd have to have the right books, right? Book studies with your friends. Group studies. One of the best things, tools, if you haven't tried this, find up the use of the Old Testament in the New. If you don't have a book like that, look into that one. How does the New Testament use the Old Testament? Great way to continue in his word. Um, And of course, memorization. There's a thousand ways to memorize scripture. It is so important to us because it is through the authority of God's inspired word that we experience the truth that gives us spiritual freedom, but not if we neglect it. Here's the key, and you keep running away from the key to spiritual freedom, saying, I don't know why I can't find it. But you notice that I'm calling it spiritual freedom. I do this not because our spirit is liberated. Because that's this is what, when we sing all these songs about spiritual freedom, we're thinking, oh man, my spirit set free. I'm saying it because when I say spiritual freedom, I'm making a direct reference to what, the apostle Paul said about freedom turn to 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 we can experience spiritual freedom when we're led by the Holy Spirit now the Lord is the Spirit where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit lives in you You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in you and through you. Invite the Holy Spirit to do that. Holy Spirit, you dwell here. Now work in me and now work through me. Sometimes I can see God doing something amazing and, and all that it involves is me showing up and the Holy Spirit accomplishes something that I I never thought of doing, never could have done on my own because it's a supernatural work. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing. The Holy Spirit's working in you and through you. I want to sidetrack for just one minute about the authority of the Word of God. We have to to stop something that I've heard in the last few years, that once you receive the Holy Spirit, you no no longer need the Bible because somehow God speaks directly to you and he totally bypasses scripture and you just have a direct line with God speaking. I need an infallible word from God. I think you do too. I love an emotional boost. I love when I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me you know sometimes you wonder if it's the Holy Spirit speaking. But I love when the Holy Spirit speaks to me. But the, the Holy Spirit does not replace the word. They're fused together. You can't separate the two. The spirit agrees with the word. 2 Corinthians 3:17 here where the spirit gives freedom is in total agreement with John chapter 8 verse 31 where Jesus said continuing in my word results in freedom. When you're full of the word, The Holy Spirit can bring it to your remembrance. When you're full of the word of God, you've got wood for the fire of the Holy Spirit. When you're full of Disney Plus Channel, it's pretty awesome, you know. (laughs) I wonder how long it'll take me to finish. I'm trying to finish Disney Plus, so... I'm afraid Jesus will come back and I won't be done watching all the stuff on Disney Plus. If whatever I fill myself up with, my granddaughters come over, they say, Grandpa, can we roast marshmallows? I need wood before I can put the fire. You need the word in your life, the infallible, authoritative, God-breathed word of God in you and the Holy Spirit as well. So what happens if you, if you are full of God's word, and you need to be, and you are full of the Holy Spirit, you experience greater spiritual freedom. But you have to stand firm in that freedom. Turn now to Galatians chapter 5, my real text. We were leading up to this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. <clears throat> do you know what a yoke is? It's, it's like a heavy burden that you're tied to. I, I do like watching movies, by the way. And you might have seen this movie. I apologize because it's probably not appropriate. But these, these uh, people were captured and made slaves, and they took a rope and tied their necks to this big log, so they're all tied onto this log together, and they're being taken into captivity, and of course, I'm the, if you ever get tied onto a log with me, don't put me on the back, because I'm the guy that always slips off the cliff and drags the rest of you with me, <laughs> so some of you already know what movie I'm talking about. Um, there's a, a heavy, heavy yoke. And what Jesus did by dying on the cross, he removed that yoke, the burden of sin from off you. And Paul says, now that you're free, you can stand up. You're not bent over with all that weight of sin. When you come to Jesus, he forgives your sins. He takes them away, he removes them. And Paul says, why would you take that freedom and waste it by coming back again under the burden? It was for freedom that Christ made you free. Live in that freedom. And then he gives us a picture of of what that looks like. He shows us a man who is not free. He shows us a man who is free. But I want you to know this. All of this is based upon the work of Jesus. So many people, I th- they must think that Jesus is some self-improvement program. If I, if I just, I've heard people this week say, we, we need a little Jesus in our lives. And it, it kind of frustrates me. Because Jesus is not a self-improvement program. He's not something, some additive, nice thing I add into my life. Jesus is on a rescue mission to save me. If you don't believe me, turn to look at Galatians chapter 1, the first five verses. It says, he gave himself for our sins in order to rescue us. So the book of Galatians is about this freedom. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Why would you want to return to slavery? Why would you give up? The freedom you have in Christ. What would would be so appealing to us that we would give up and lose our spiritual freedom? Look at verse 13, Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The flesh is the thing. We can experience loss of spiritual freedom when we are controlled by natural desires. When the Bible says flesh, sarks is the Greek word, when the Bible says flesh, it doesn't mean just your physical body. Don't get confused. You, your body is wonderfully made. That's not where the problem lies in, the, in just the physical body. It, The flesh here means all that a a lost man is capable of as a sinful human being without Jesus Christ. It has to do with our urges and our desires and our passions. That's what it has to do with. And what blows my mind is that in the culture I live in, the word love actually is a synonym for carnal passions and desires. My mind is blown that I live in such a world. What kind of a world do I live in where the exact opposite of love means love? Galatians 5.13, we read that one, right? explained the word flesh a little bit. You can use your freedom in many ways. I might be free to spend my whole paycheck on myself, but then there will be consequences when the mortgage payment comes, right? And all that. I could, I have, I have the freedom to choose things, right? But I also need the responsibility to accept the consequences of that freedom. So freedom is not the absence of consequences. Freedom is not the removal of any and all restraints. Freedom is not selfishness. Freedom is liberation from chains that bind you, from a yoke that bears you down. And in this verse, there's a nice paradox to compare this. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers. And then he turns around and says, through love, serve one another. You know what serve means? It doesn't mean freedom. It means service. True freedom is experienced in you serving other people. Look at these two examples of of the man who is free and the man who is not free. Verse 16 of Galatians 5. But I say, live by the Spirit, and you will never carry out the desires of the flesh. It is the Holy Spirit that keeps you free from the opportunity of the flesh. You're sinful desires. For the flesh desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But these are in opposition to one another so that whatever you want, you may not do those things. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And then he gives an example of a man who is not spiritually free. Will you do yourself a favor this week? Would you put on your reading list, the book of Galatians and especially chapter five? This week, today if possible, I'm going to read the book of Galatians and I'm going to find freedom. If you want to look alongside of that, where this goes, I also recommend the book of Ephesians and my favorite one, the book of Colossians on the working of the Holy Spirit, okay? You got your homework ready? All right. So here's Paul's description of this man who is not spiritually free. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are sexual immorality, fornication at the top of the list and yet I remember what I told you I was a junior in high school in 76 it means I remember the 60s where they redefined love as sexual freedom I was a little kid I didn't know what they were talking about I found out when I got older (laughs) And the very first thing on this list of a man who does not have spiritual freedom, who's coming back underneath the yoke is sexual immorality, fornication. Then, it, then he says impurity, licentiousness. Licentiousness is not hard to understand. It has the word license in it. It means using God's grace as a license to go back to sin, licentiousness. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Strife. Is that me making that noise? It's my mustache rubbing against it, isn't it? Where was I at? Strife. Jealousy. You know, you'd be amazed how much strife and jealousy play in in churches. It's like prime motivators sometimes. Not in ours. I'm talking about somebody else's church, right? (laughs) Outbursts of anger selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And then my favorite of this list of 16 things that describe a man who has come back under the yoke and lost his spiritual freedom, my favorite phrase, he says, and things like these. (laughs) In other words, the list keeps going. I've given you enough to get the idea of what it means to be falling away from the freedom that Christ gave you when he died on the cross, and now you wanna go back to these things? And then he describes a man who is spiritually free. I'm going to finish the previous verse. Verse 21 is where I'm at. Galatians 5, 21. Things which I'm telling you in advance, just as I said before, that the ones who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he describes a person who is spiritually free. And I I want to ask you, is this a description of you? Do you have spiritual freedom? Jesus paid for it for you. Are you living it? Is the, do you have your life full of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you so you're spiritually free? Here's a description of that person verse 22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. This needs to be the picture of every follower of Jesus Christ. I have friends that are not Christians, and you know what they think a Christian is? An angry person demanding that they fall under the authority of the Bible. I had this, I had this discussion on Facebook, sorry. S- somebody said that the the bible was written by men to control other people and all i i saw i thought do i do i take the bait or do i not you know um, the bible is a book written by men to control other people well when i read the bible and i read stuff like that it says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I think, what's the problem in wanting people to be controlled by that, you know? That's what I say. They don't don't like that kind of answer. And they came back, their answer was, well, I'm a Buddhist, so whatever. (laughs) Like, wait a minute, you just said the Bible was a book written by a man to control people? And... You don't know Buddha was a man who wrote (laughs) stuff to control people. (laughs) Anyway, again, my mind isn't really that big, so it's easy to blow my mind. Don't worry. (laughs) So I just said I wanted to say, you know, I wanted to do the real Christian thing and tell them off really hard, (laughs) because that's what we do as Christians. We look like the wrong guy. We look like the guy that doesn't have freedom sometimes. We look like the angry one. We look like the one that has am- selfish ambition. We look like the ones that want to be angry and forceful. And, and all, You've heard all this stuff before, I know, especially on the fruit of the Spirit, but I really felt compelled to come back to this on freedom. I want you to be free to, to live like this the Holy Spirit working in you so that, we, we may, so that you can be a person that brings love and joy and peace to a room of people, to a family of people. People are broken. They are hurting. And they need somebody that loves them. Somebody who may not be like them in any way and just loves them. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, the law? Jesus said, made it easy for you, made it easy for me. I'm the one with a small brain, not you, Charlie. Made it easy for me. Jesus said, just two things. Love God with everything. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. That's all the law. But we need to let the Holy Spirit control our lives. You know what these are? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is, this is the character of Jesus Christ. You'll, you Go to the book of Colossians, and when you get into chapters 2 and 3, you'll see what I'm talking about. This is the character of Jesus developing in my life. I, when I was young, I wanted the Holy Spirit in my life because I wanted to be able to put my hand on people and see them fall down on the floor. That would be the power of God, Right? And now I'm old enough to know that when I come home and I speak with kindness and gentleness, when I exercise self-control, when I'm faithful, that is the power of the Holy Spirit, of me living in the freedom that Jesus gave to me. You think these are small things. They're not. Saying a kind word and showing gentleness It's not that small, do it. You want the Holy Spirit to speak some great revelation and prophecy so you can get up in front of people. Forget it. Let the Holy Spirit take control of you Monday and Tuesday, this week. Live in the freedom of the Holy, you know how liberating it is to walk into a room and I don't have to judge them. I don't have to condemn them, I just love them. We get confused as I'm wrapping this up, Jim Walsh, I'm wrapping it up. (laughs) I found out when you say those things, musicians appear behind you. (laughs) There they come. (laughs) Told you. Okay, listen, we get confused as Christians on this fruit of the Spirit, this character of Jesus, these pictures of spiritual freedom. We think the first three are stuff we get. God loves me. I have so much joy. Having joy is not proof that you're a Christian. I have peace now, that's how I know I'm saved. Tell you, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, sometimes when I'm up to my elbows in a nursing home, I am so glad for these masks now that I get to wear a nursing home. Do you guys know what a nursing home smells like? And I get right in there. And I'm thinking, does God want me here? There's no joy and peace here. (laughs) Why am I not feeling good about all this? Because it's bigger than that, isn't it? This fruit of the Spirit is saying that you, in your spiritual freedom, you are the one who brings love. You're the giver of love, not the receiver of it. That's what the Holy Spirit's working you, so you will give love. Joy. It's not just for you to experience joy. I, I love, I get joyful when I hear this band. Jaron Walsh is one of my favorite musicians in the entire world, so honestly. And but it's not about the fruit of the spirit is not making me feel joyful. It's me bringing joy to a situation, to a person, me being joyful and peace, being a peacemaker. I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is a challenge for me. This is a challenge for me to live in the freedom that Christ made me free for. It is to show the character of Christ as it develops in my life to demonstrate that to others. So let's conclude with this. I want you to continue in the word. Jesus said if you continue in my word, fill your life up with the word of God. If you, and of course we have to crucify selfishness, stand firm in that freedom, He bought you with a price. He set you free so you no longer have to be a slave to yourself and to sin. True spiritual freedom. And then be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I love the verse. It said, exercise your freedom by serving others through love. Would you close your eyes for prayer? Jesus' crucifixion offers you spiritual freedom from sin and selfishness. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you could raise your hand in church and get saved and then do nothing else. He died so that by faith you can die to self. And I'm not I don't I do not want you to raise your hand actually. I want you in your heart to decide what you're going to do this week. Maybe you need to ask Jesus Jesus I want to be a follower I want to die to selfishness I want to be set free from all the selfish sinful things in that entire list so that I can live in freedom and bring freedom to others spiritual freedom and maybe you need the Holy Spirit in your life creating developing the character of Christ as you Live in the word. If you need that, would you just pray that silently right now? Close your eyes. Just pray to, your, to Jesus silently. Father, you've sent Jesus to die on a cross, to break the hold of sin on my life, Lord, I want to live in that freedom by dying, crucifying selfishness. Dying to myself to daily give myself over to be the servant of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, take control of my life. Let's pray that one out loud. Repeat after me. Holy Spirit, take control of my life. Holy Spirit, take control of my mouth. Holy Spirit, lead me in spiritual freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen.